Welcome to What Have You, featuring Rachel Jankovic and Rebecca Merkel. This audio is brought to you by Canon Press. Welcome, welcome back to What Have You. I'm Rachel Jankovic. Yeah, I'm Rebecca Merkel, and guys, it's this is night too. It's night because we just. We just had to censor ourselves after 10 seconds. (laughs) But it's night. And I was saying, seasoned listeners, or you said that. You know what to expect when we're doing it at night. And I was saying, yeah, expect less and get more from us at night. Because, yeah, yeah. Things slip off the pathways at night. But it was a beautiful pre summer kind of a day where everything's getting greener and it's just. Lovely. The fields are starting to look like velvet. It's just really pretty. They do that, don't they? No, they're almost there. But yeah, it's like it's legit being spring now, and it's so very pretty. Yeah. Anyway, for sure. So, do you have any <laughs> big things on your mind? Well, oh, I have so many big things on my mind that they've all gone into a traffic jam, and there's no movement of yeah. any kind. But I will say we'll that I'm for it. sure at one of those pre-freak out, uh, like there's a ton of stuff coming and you're not actually doing anything to get ahead yeah. on it. Yeah. But you're, what you are doing is increasing the ambient noise feelings of how yes. much you have to do soon. Yeah, that's true. But you're not clear on what it is. No. I just got through a dinner at my house and I have another dinner at my house coming shortly and then soup night of course is ongoing so with the back-to-back like Friday night dinner Tuesday night soup night you've only just barely pulled yourself out of the deep ditch of dishes and things that used to be me with was Saturday and then parish group Wednesday. Yes. And those two are just perfectly spaced to mean that you were coming or going from one yeah. all the t- all all days yeah. was either coming or going. Mm-hmm. Indeed. But, but we got Yeah. I haven't done the we haven't been doing the parish group midweek lately, so Yeah. It'll well, be time for me I to have get been my doing soup nights, so that's still a thing that I am pulling myself out of every day well i have Not still been doing every week i have been doing yeah. i have been doing a weekly so you're just saying yeah no you're right we're both doing a weekly thing and then I i'm just not entirely slacking mm-hmm. off but i am you, we know you are mm-hmm. we all know i know i know you know we know that i do soup night but rachel does a mere a measly dinner for 50 <laughs> once a week the reality that's so interesting about hospitality, though, I think, is how much it is a muscle. Like, how much the work of... Yeah. that. There are things that I remember about when we first started doing Sabbath weekly instead of... For a long time, we did it periodically. Or we all... But we were always involved in doing something. But it was more like I was bringing dessert or I was bringing a side dish yeah. or I'd be bringing something. So I was always tuned into it happening and doing that on Saturday and then sometimes we would host the whole thing Mm -hmm. periodically but then when it the way we did our musical houses and we moved into mom and dad's when we started doing it weekly it was a real adjustment of I think the pace was a real adjustment it was just a surprise to be doing it that's the thing is you've just only turned around you're like wait a minute Mm -hmm. and I will say 
that there are things that I have noticed that uh, we knew from doing Sabbaths before were things that we wanted when we built our house. But I notice them every week now mm-hmm. that I think about because if we have that many people and we use tablecloths and we use napkins mm-hmm. and then all the dish towels that get used because unless everything was one color at which time I could probably consolidate the loads more mm-hmm. but it's usually four loads of laundry yeah to just get the oh, yeah. get that done so the fact that we have two washers and dryers is a beyond important component yeah, because is. if I if I didn't have that it would massacre mm-hmm. our regular laundry life oh yeah as it is, it can actually work in, it can actually fold into the, like, I can do that, we can handle it, it's not going to kill us. Yeah. But I well, do think, haven't I let it rip on here on the podcast that people know that I actually have a, some kind of a personal obsession with, like, pot holders and dish towels. Dish towels is one that really, I, okay. but I, mean, I have a huge drawer Okay. that is totally full, full. of dish towels. And... It makes me laugh because usually once a week it's after Sabbath, but it, I'm sure it's, we use probably multiple dish towels a day. So by the time it gets to yeah. Sabbath, I, then I do a big, like it's, but it seems like once mm-hmm. a week I have a full laundry basket that is only full of folded dish towels. Tell me this though, troubleshoot this one for me, Rach, cause I've not troubleshot it myself with your... Laundry being upstairs, which is where mine is. When you're tearing through all those multiple dish towels, where do you keep them until you go do a load? I keep What's them. What's storage solution? I don't. Well, you have a transfer station where they, I have a basket, although right now it has potatoes in it. I bought a basket at, um... Marshalls or somewhere that is not a natural, it's a plastic, it's a woven basket, but it's not like, it's definitely waterproof. It's a plastic thing. And so I would keep that downstairs for dish towels because I go, I go through multiple dish towels a day. But where do you keep your basket? Well, in the hall or on the stair, by the stairs or somewhere, but I don't do that unless I am, a lot of the time I put a dish towel on the stairs but I, whenever I go upstairs, I take what's on the stairs. See, I have like a wire basket that I got yeah. so that it'd be like breathable, but also like you're saying, water. Yeah. I just, I've never, well, I've I never bonded with it so as a system. So because I have a, like a utility sink in the laundry room, mm-hmm. we put wet, all wet dish towels or if it's a significant, if it's a significantly wet dish towel or a dish cloth, like a rag or a cleaning rag. Those all go in a, they all basically go into the sink and I wash them out of the sink. Like we would hang them on the side of it no, or whatever I mean, to dry. Until they go upstairs. Yeah, but I guess I just have enough laundry going upstairs that it doesn't. See, I think this is where my hang up is, is that most of our laundry is already upstairs. The only, it, it's like those dish towels. It's like, I just, I don't well, know. Well, where do you put like, them? Is it in well, a basket a, in the kitchen? That's the thing. Yeah, that, you like, should put your basket on this because I take them out of the kitchen and put them on the stairs. Our back or stairs on are too narrow to put a basket on them. You have a very big one. We'll put it at the stair. top of the stairs and throw them to it. Oh, I can imagine how well that would be because mm-hmm. you have splattered okay, out thirty guys, dishes. Okay, guys, guys, late night just... podcast <laughs> troubleshooting innovation. 
Becca, no, I was gonna in say, our childhood, you remember the people into our napkin time. Except for I'm here to troubleshoot and right. solve it. I'm going to okay. solve it. Right. Okay. Okay, guys. Stick with me closely. Okay. Remember. Remember. You can't even believe how good this idea is. I'm ready. Remember in our youth how kids whose parents bought them a lot of stuffed animals got a hammock that would go up in the corner of their room. <laughs> a triangular suction cup hammock. You put that up above your stairwell and you throw your dirty rags into it. And they could drip. They could drip on people. And it would be so easy to retrieve them later. It would be the best thing ever. So oh, man. all I'm saying is good thing we're here to troubleshoot yeah, for I'm everyone. Glad. I feel like I remember other times that we've dwindled off into like soup tin cans. cans. We went on a yeah. tin decorating with tin cans. Those, those are times when we do this at night, Rachel. We can't trust ourselves. No, we have no. to stop. Because in a minute I'll be like... But what would you do? Well, you know what we should really do is call Luke out to help us menu plan. (laughs) See if we can if we can get enough brains on the task right now. Oh, my menu planning tonight was a great big. Okay, so here's a question. Here's a question. Oh, wait, your menu planning tonight? Like for for tonight? tonight? No, the boys were out of town at a lacrosse game, which left a smattering of us around, and it was kind of like, hey guys, there's some leftover assortments yeah my my uh i don't know if i've ever released the news of this actually on the podcast okay what well so some time ago so some time ago i we registered me as a sole proprietorship (laughs) in the state of idaho (laughs) (laughs) this is a genius this is a hot tip i mean i'm letting the hot tips the hottest of the tips yeah so so that I could get restaurant food deliveries. And guys, I'm not I'm not lying, it's the best thing ever to have a man oh, it's haul in your fifty pound bags of flour and your forty pound boxes of apples on a dolly, your six oh, yeah. gallons of milk oh, and yeah. your fifteen dozen eggs and he just brings it into my kitchen. And well, and Rachel And I talked Becca into doing it. Yeah, and I I am not a sole proprietorship. I I'm doing it since I do so many events for NSA. We already had a business that, anyway, I signed up for the restaurant delivery service also. So I can't, I don't use it for our personal food because, well, that would be financial mismanagement. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't do that. I, but I do do it for events and I have been doing it for, um, making one order for my quarter's worth of soup. And guys, it's the best. It's game the changer. Best. It does not. It does not keep me from having to go to the grocery store. No, but and what it does that is make my it. grocery shopping trips much more featherweight than they would be. Yeah, because. Well, as and I just something told about you, the semi truck pulling up in uh, front and a man you with feel, a dolly. You feel like that is a delegate of the Proverbs thirty one woman right there <laughs> coming up with a and the oh, thirty pound. So I get a thirty pound box of butter. I'm just gonna tell you guys. I keep in my freezer and I just pull a pound at a time. You out. need to do this, but team up with some friends and seriously, just put together a group order and divvy it up when they when it arrives it's, because it so is some, so smart. some things through the restaurant supply industry are not cheaper. So, so there are some yeah. things that you're not, but, but the reality, of stuff. the reality is that I would rather pay more per gallon of milk 
for someone to bring me six gallons to my mm-hmm. home and not have me have to go haul it around a store and then into the car and then into the house. Like, it actually is worth that and margin. And I will say, the price and of the chicken breast are really, is really good. Yeah, other there are other things yeah. that is much better prices. And you can get, like, for my Italian dinner I did last week, I was trying to source um, kind of random produce because I was trying to make it as authentic as possible. So, I was able to find, I mean, interesting produce that is not the kind yeah. we ever get in grocery stores here. And not to mention interesting cuts of meat and just yeah. like it was, it's, you do need to have a freezer and a big, like I have a second fridge downstairs, which is a help. I'm not always using that, but if you buy like 15 dozen eggs, I just have a ton of eggs in the fridge downstairs and well, I go grab some I am I struggling with it because I actually don't, I mean, given that I have a torn out kitchen, I really don't have a good place to store all this stuff, but I kind of have it all piled at the bottom of my basement stairs, but like uh-huh. it is so nice to be able to like on soup night, I do still have to, like you said, I still have to order some stuff like the sour cream or the grated cheese yeah. for the top or whatever limes to wedge and set out, you know, I don't need 10 pounds yeah. of limes. I just well, needed 10. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so I make a small order and I do grocery delivery for that and I can have it like sitting on my porch when I get home from teaching yeah, so and then I can just go down the basement stairs and lug up 96,000 big, huge that's, pans. For me, it's the way that it works is if I order it by four in the afternoon one day, I'll get it the next afternoon. Like I'll have it yeah, the next it's day. It's really great. And it is a real boon and you do life. have to do a minimum order but that's why i said like if you put together just a co-op you don't of have your to friends, do a minimum order oh to get the delivery to your yeah. house you do to yeah. get the delivery and it's easy for me to i use it more for like the staples and things uh-huh. and just stick with the like okay so now i bought a ton of you yep. know, I, I've really found that to be a boon it's amazing. in my it's life. Amazing. So now, you know, the real insider yeah. secret. I've only been doing this since Christmas and it's, I did discover like I had to get in 80 pounds of chicken breast for one quarter's worth of soup, which is hilarious since they're not all chicken <laughs> soups. But anyway, it's like 80 pounds of chicken is a significant amount of chicken to stick somewhere. So I did those big roaster ovens. I'm not arguing with that statement. It just I, is a significant it's a amount. Lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And I put them in the big roaster oven and I layered them up where I do one layer of chicken breast, thoroughly salt and pepper it, do another layer, salt and pepper, another layer, pack it all the way up. And then I filled it with uh, water and cooked it really slow you know, like overnight. And then the next day shredded it and then packed it in the broth. Like I strained out the broth and then put it in Ziploc bags in the freezer. Mm -hmm. So it's far more consolidated down. And then I can just pull that out and put it in my soup. And it's a real, it's it's a thing. And you know what else? There's one soup that I make where I legit have to buy two entire hams and cut it into small bite sized pieces and put it in the soup. And I discovered with the restaurant supply, you can get already chopped up ham. Somebody else diced it. Somebody else cut the ham up. And that was real good. That also that was is real, a gift. Real, real good. That also is a thing that you never, yeah. you never regret. No. 
buying an already diced ham. No. Sort of like my hot tip from previous years, which we didn't do this year, but when you need to make deviled eggs, just buy the dang peeled hard-boiled eggs at the deli. <laughs> And, oh. and don't look back either, because the last thing that you want to be doing while in a rush is trying to remember what best tips keep you from <laughs> chunking the egg out. <laughs> this year we did, I cooked them all in my sous vide, and actually it went I actually kind of peasily. I just kind of enjoy peeling eggs under, like kind of cool running water and there you yeah i know but it only the joy only lasts so long and then it quits on you and you're like but am i still doing this i find weirdly i I find (laughs) that to be one of the more soothing kitchen jobs okay okay but we had recently we did this is a very good dessert which we serve whenever we have an asian-ish meal some element of an asian meal we do that um, orange segments in orange blossom water syrup. Like we make a, or- a syrup with the orange blossom water and the supreme oranges over vanilla ice cream with some couple pockets. Do you segment up your own oranges or are you telling yeah, us no. that you purchased some? No, I wish I could find out that someone else supremed the oranges for you somewhere, but I've never heard tell of that. But the thing that's funny about supreming oranges, and when you supreme them, you cut the ends off and then stand it on the cutting board and cut the peel off and then you cut each segment out from inside the pith. So you're getting the non-membrane, you know, like you're not, you're just getting the juicy. I need to come back around to that, but you finish what you're saying and then I have something. Well, I was just going to say that it's funny because that is one of the biggest optical illusion kitchen jobs you could ever do in your life because you can do that to like... I don't know, a hundred pounds of oranges and it Mm -hmm. will still fit in a four cup Pyrex. Like you're going and going and going and the results are miniature. Like you're like, how is this happening? But it never feels like it is really odd because you feel like you're making headway. You're Mm -hmm. like, I'm getting tight. Like the carnage pile is enormous, but the, what you've done is tiny. Yeah. And we did it one time at Sabbath and the, and one of our guests (laughs) must have spent some of their life supreming oranges because (laughs) one of the guests was like who did all of this like it was like this little bucket full of oranges (laughs) that looked so meager and the guest was just like who did this this took so long i it was daphne who did it that time and she she really felt heard she was like right right so what do you do with your supreme oranges after you supreme them you did you finish saying what you do with them yeah because we put them you make a or you make a syrup you put any excess juice that you squeeze out of the Mm -hmm. whatever in the syrup it's like a simple syrup with some orange blossom water in it okay i think it's like a there's brown it's a brown sugar syrup and you put it over the oranges it actually is unbelievably delicious and it tastes like there's some part of it so that's like a creamsicle you, you put it on ice cream is what i'm trying to get around to i you, did say that already but yeah already? vanilla okay. ice cream with orange segments and the syrup on it and then a couple pocky stuck in it with that you know pocky mm-hmm. is that chocolate for those of you in other countries places that are like what on earth is a pocky it's like a biscuit stick that's been dipped in chocolate it kind of looks like a chopstick we stick a couple of them in so it. um we were just doing a million oranges for this dinner last friday 
because we were doing a shaved fennel and blood orange mm. salad with crushed olives. It was ridiculous. It was so good. But anyways, yes, the saintly Carolyn who I had helping me was doing the oranges. But I was like, oh, when I do that, I do it like a grapefruit, basically, like slice it in half and then slice around the membranes and then just cut out the wedges, but then they'd be in half. So I'm just wondering what's no, the difference? We did. What's the difference in your technique here? We didn't cut them in half. You do it. Uh, you cut the, top, the ends off of the right. orange, stand it up straight, cut yeah. the peel off I know, of it. But I'm just saying you that get like, a full length of a segment and you're saying, I don't know that it would be easier to just do it your way than my way. I don't know. That's Clearly we need to do like a race off because it's not, yeah. it would not offend me to have a half segment on the right, ice that's cream. That's what I'm wondering. But I don't think that that methodology is faster. Hmm. Interesting. I feel like your way you'd have to have a much sharper knife. I have sharp knives. I have real bad dull knives. I have knives. a husband who's committed to sharpening knives. Mm. You gotta be on your toes at our house I, because yeah. the, if he notices it, he sharpens them. So if you noticed it and you're starting, <clears> to I've be got sloppy basically with it. some like hatchets in my kitchen. That, yeah, Luke's a believer. Luke's a believer in the knife sharpening world. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? We because we still have there are the knives we got as our group gift for our wedding. Mm, yeah. So you, we have a few yeah. extra knives, but we've been sharpening those knives since we got them yeah, 18 years we ago never or 17 years have ago. invested in the amazing knives. We've only had weird old. It's worth investing it is. in. It is because there's nothing nicer than a nice brisk knife when you're trying to do something. Well, the my real... bread knife is so terrible. It's like, it doesn't even really cut the bread anymore. <laughs> uh, that's it. The, um, yeah, I, uh, buying a good knife is worth the time. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. Your hourly wage is worth a, a nice knife. I agree. Knife. I agree with you. When I have a place to keep my knives in my kitchen, I feel like then I will invest. Right now it's real rugged and wild west in my kitchen and it's a hard life for equipment. So. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I see how that is. No, it's really, like, legit. I'm like, how do you have a microwave that has many dents? It's by living in a Merkel kitchen. That's how. Right. Yeah, well, our our kitchen also is not a lightweight endeavor. It takes no, a beating. I feel like we ride it hard. Our fridge, of. we've lived in our house for, like, 18 months, I guess. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more than that. And our fridge has a lot of, like, dents in it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, who's been running into our fridge at high speed? <laughs> Probably everyone. Everyone, It's no been, doubt. you know, yeah. it's one of the Well, things. our microwave, during the stretch that we didn't have power, really, to speak of in the kitchen, if you needed to use the microwave, you had <laughs> to take it on a journey to another part of the house and plug it in somewhere. I remember this because so, you showed us the family group text of someone being <laughs> like, where did you see the microwave last? <laughs> Only the Merkels, guys. This is the thing you have to know about the Merkels. Only the Merkels, as an entire family unit, would find it more convenient to carry the microwave about the house with them than to do, oh, I don't know what, to set know, up a microwave them. station in the dining room. That would have know. grossed you no, out. Well, because it would be like, hey, we're having company. Somebody put, put, put the, the microwave, microwave away. 
because it would be like on the floor. It's like, no, I put room. it in the foyer today. <laughs> the microwave. Or, or the KitchenAid. You'd have to lug it out and put it on you a chair. Have, you should have put it on one of those carts like the overhead oh, projectors used to be on. In our... And wheel it. Yeah, but... It was like we would put the KitchenAid on a chair in the dining room, plugged into the wall, you know. And so, because in kitchens... We you, joke that the Merkles would kitchens, walk no. walk five miles with a rock in their shoe <laughs> rather than stop to take it out. Well, I mean, we are taking it out. It just takes a long time. Five miles. <laughs> we, have, we have... In a kitchen, you put the... the outlets at counter height but in no other room do you have them up there so when you take the microwave out you have to put it on the floor <laughs> because otherwise it can't uh, plug so we would seriously have people being like hey who had the microwave where, where did you put it yeah uh, it was well, bad that's just but we're through that now we have some outlets that's a praise report in the kitchen where we plug some stuff in and i don't have to carry my my you know, kitchen yeah. aid about the home when well, I have soup. Good job, coming. you. I know, I know. It's a big, it's a big one. We like to pace our thrills. I had an idea. This is this is changing the subject, oh. but I was thinking, wouldn't it be great if we started a nationwide initiative of saying true things? <laughs> I was actually I thinking more Rach. specifically. No, I was. I would tell you this already Becca but I was thinking how easy it is right now to think that the world is silencing Christian voices like the trouble is we're all being silenced Mm -hmm. and I was like actually that's not the trouble the trouble is we're afraid of being heard now which is different because the reason you won't say something like boys ought to marry girls and they (laughs) ought to have children is not because you're afraid someone will turn to you and say shh you're afraid that everyone will go what did you say? You know, like yeah. the the fear, it's your own cowardice that's mm-hmm. gagging you. Yeah. It is not actually the world. The, the scary part is how many people will hear you say something. Well, I'll tell you who will come helpfully along to shush you. All, All the, the Christians. Christians. <laughs> who will say that you're hurting the witness. Yeah, you know? or you're just, have you not noticed how beside the point your words are right now? Mm-hmm. Like, Nothing, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a lot of Christian uh, busybodying on the, in the department of what should and shouldn't be said at what times. <laughs> yeah, that's always the, uh, the police, the self-appointed police for who ought to have said I what think comment. I, I think I pretty often get infractions you from do. these people. You get issued tickets. I get issued mail-in tickets from people. Speaking of that, though. The thing that you got a lot of tickets about lately, I thought we oh, actually yeah. ought to mention this for a second. And you can go look at Rachel's Instagram to see the kerfluffle guys. I do need to say something but, about this, though. Well, I was just going to say, aside from the point which you were making, which was specifically to do with parenting, right. I noticed that I think individualism... Say, has become so deeply Let's ingrained. say first what this post was. It was me saying that parents are responsible for their children's sin. Yeah. Meaning, and I'd already done a post right before that saying that responsibility is not the same thing as saying you are guilty for this. But that's the part or, I think we should talk about. Because right. I think that that is a concept that is genuinely too hard for people to understand. Because they you said it quite clearly. And then people freaked out. And 
cannot well, hear Well, like, I feel like some people saying. were basically saying, when I said, if your child does something, you know, is in sin, you were responsible for that. And people are like, but why? I didn't bite the other kid. Right. And you're like, well, so no, but you are the one in charge of the biter. I thought that this is worth taking a minute about because there is a very big difference between guilt and responsibility. And sometimes there are points where those two things overlap, right? Like sometimes you're guilty you, and responsible. You are both of those things. But we all do understand because this is a moment where we're shouting at everybody to have to resign and you uh-huh. have to like step you take down responsibility because, of this. Yeah. So like let's say that there Because was... your actions your actions actually guilt people who are associated with you. Like our culture's willing to do that a different direction and in all shame in, and guilt, yeah. not responsibility not and authority. Responsibility. But the thing is is like if you have a captain of the ship and then some of the sailors go off and do something bad, he did not have to have been in the room for it to still be him that gets in trouble with his superiors. Still his responsibility. He is the man yeah. who's responsible because he is the captain. So he's going to have to answer for it. I think as I thought about this, though, I need to say that actually on that post when it blew up, Instagram is doing a thing. I, I actually don't know if it was just being glitchy for me, if this is the way that it is for everybody, or if it was like a new thing that it's doing. I only read comments on my posts in my notifications, so I don't okay. go to the post and troll through all the comments okay. to look at anything. So, what? But what kept happening to me is there's this. It wouldn't let you. It would let you see like the most two, like three. I mean, I would just see the top ones, and yeah. then it would close off that way. So it kept happening to me that one. Like one time, I opened up my phone and it was like. 45 comments, but I think I only saw like three of them. So I was not actually aware of all of what I okay. knew it was a fracas, but I don't know what all is well, happening. I felt in the comments. like when I saw it, there were like 125 people rebuking you up, down, and sideways, and like six people who were like, That was great. No, so, really helpful. Thank you. And yeah, then a bunch of but, people spazzing out. But I think that the real key is, is that America has gotten individualism so deep in our bones now that we don't understand the concept of being responsible for something. Well, but I wanted it to be clear that what I said is something that the whole world believed not very long ago. Yes. So, and I mean, not just Christians. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone believed this. And so what I said is actually in no way a radical statement. No. Right? That, but what happened is I said something that you're, what you're saying, the world is, be, we've become so radically individualistic. Well, it's like, that's a fast moving river. Yeah. And if you're just in our culture, like a lot of people think that this is, cause I, this is what I'm just suspecting. I think a lot of people think that this is me having some bizarre theology, Right. but it's actually, it's not actually about whether you're a Baptist or a Pado Baptist. Right. It's actually like, what are your cultural influences? Because all Christians agreed on this very recently. You know what I mean? Like this is the kind of thing that was taken as a, I think that it was just the sort of thing that like, if you are the mom who is standing in the Walmart aisle and your child is having a giant tantrum freak out, I think that 40 years ago or 50 years ago or however long people would have understood that's an embarrassing moment for a mother. Yeah. Because 
here you are. Because we're seeing the fact that you're not dealing with something that's your job. Here's the little wee person that you are responsible for. And they are demonstrating to the whole world what kind of a job you're doing. And that's an embarrassing moment. But I feel like now... And I want to say, I want to be clear that also sometimes you see a little kid freaking out. And the mother is demonstrating what a wonderful job she's doing by the way that she takes responsibility for it. By the way she's like, you know what? Excuse me, I'm going to have to go deal with this. Could you leave my cart here for me? I'll be back. You know? And and then it's not like the child's sin. We all say, oh, wow, what a bad job that mom's doing. In that case, you're like, well done, you good and faithful mother. That you're off to do the job. But the thing is, I do feel like now... A mom would just roll her eyes at the next, the person, you know, and yeah. be like, oh, you know how they are. Okay. You know? the, and a, another example of this, it would be like, uh, I guess not like a tantrum, but like, say you saw a little girl, little, and in, in Walmart seems like the best stage for this. Say you're in Walmart and there's a little girl in a, you know, some kind of a princess nighty or something with high heels on and and she's sassing around the Walmart. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing where a parent would looky like, oh my gosh. Or like, can you believe what a flirt she is? Or can you believe she's like this mm-hmm. already? And that's the thing. That's the bizarre disconnect. Yeah. That whatever things my child is doing is like somehow outside of my control. Right. Like I couldn't have told her you know what? That's not it's appropriate. I don't want you if, to be like that. Or we're not yeah. going to talk this way or act this way. It's like people treat their own children as if they were one of those mystery grab bags that you bought. Yes. With no or, like, idea or like one of those weird toys that's like, do you know which pet from the pet shop is in here when you open it yeah, up? It'll right. be a surprise. Right. Just, you never knew. And, and no part raising them. No part yeah. like instilling values in them yeah. or... Uh, or drawing lines and boundaries and being, and one thing that I kept wanting to say, but I was laughing is I know full well that I know people don't like the idea of parents being responsible for their children. But I will say this is a, here comes even more controversy. Mm -hmm. Scripture uses (laughs) the behavior of your children as an elder or deacon qualification. Yeah. If it's a qualification, then that means it reflects on the leadership and capacity of the person. Exactly. It reflects on them. If it has nothing to do with the parent, then it would not be a qualification. No, it would be like saying elders must have brown hair. Right, or anything that's just like total luck of the draw. Gotta be over 5'11". Yeah. You know, blue gotta, eyes only. Yeah, make sure that, yeah, it would have to be some kind. It's like, do you really think that that's the way scripture is working? Or is it like all the other things, a reflection on the man's character? Right. right? It's kind of like you're not supposed to be a drunkard and you're supposed to have believing kids, and both of those things reflect on you. Yes, and and, and <clears throat> not that you should be hospitable and have your household in order, that your children should be in order. Well, those things are not. It, those are not like totally otherwise. Right. And the thing is, is I, I feel like that conflating guilt and responsibility is partly why everybody didn't like what you had to say, because they're like, how dare you say that if my son bit someone, that that is 
basically my How fault. Is that like my fault? I bit someone. And, and it's like, no, no, no. But the little person who is under your care and under your authority right. and under your charge bit someone. That means so it's your problem. Something that I felt like was too big of a job to take on on the Instagram was this aspect of it that fundamentally this is entirely about whether you are all right with authority. Yeah. Whether authority and submission is something that has any place in your life in mm-hmm. any or if you're willing to allow it to be something that God established. Now uh, the reason I didn't get into it on the Instagram is because it's very hard. You only have so many words. Right. You can't, you know, it becomes a real thing. But I was saying, I'm talking to moms with kids at home. Yeah. You are the one who has been delegated to tend these people. But there are authority does not just flow in every direction in the home. So what I was saying in one of my posts was like, if things are turning into a swamp of toods at our house, I take responsibility for that. And I'm yeah. like, you know what? Kids, forgive me for allowing this to happen. I'm yeah. not saying forgive me that I had your bad attitude. It's forgive right. me that I did not lead us and I didn't do this correctly. Yeah. So then I asked their forgiveness. I prompt them to, to you know, like once I have repented of anything, ask them to forgive me. Um, and then they have all, everybody has sought forgiveness of everyone. I'm like, so going forward, how are we going to honor God right now? Now, here's the thing that I knew was a bridge too far to try to explain to people. Because this is actually about authority and submission. When it's me and my children at home, I am the authority. And they are required by God to submit to my authority. But if my husband is home, I am also required by God to submit to his authority. So if Luke was there, I would not be the one taking responsibility. He would be. Right. If he was there, if it was a Saturday and Luke was there, he'd be saying, listen up team. I'm sorry that I dropped the ball. Will you forgive me? And he does. It's not like I'm in charge of the kids. So I'm always the one when I am at home. I am my husband's delegate. I am in charge, but I'm not the chief man. I will say, too, though, <clears throat> part of taking if responsibility, If my husband was not though, a believer, I would still, I think you, like, it, it, there's so many. This is why I didn't go into it. Yeah. I just think, though, that taking responsibility does not always mean you have to tell the kids, I'm sorry that I didn't no. take responsibility. Oftentimes, you might just pray and say, you know, God, please forgive me. I've been letting things yeah. slide, and I need to tighten this up. And please help this to be effective. Right. You don't always have to go confess no, it to the No, you don't have children. to. Although I think in my own situation, in my like when I think about the majority of the times in my life, sometimes it may be, say you were busy, you were elsewhere, you were doing something else, and you come in and you're like, whoa, there's a, you know, like whatever. Yeah. It's not, we are not the aroma of joy in our home. That wouldn't be the kind of situation where I would say, please forgive me no. for this. Right. But... But most of the time, if I was there and I actually know that the reason this has happened is because we just weren't, if you, if I know that I just didn't follow through on that or I didn't do this and then things, I just mean oftentimes I know of my own sin sure. in it. And I, I would sometimes do that where you sit everybody down and say, guys, you know, we're, we would call it a uh, reign of terror or 
Right. It's just kind of like everyone. Team meeting. We're yeah. going to have um, obedience boot camp now because everything's getting really sloppy. And yeah. I would say in those cases, like, I'm sorry that I let it get to this point. I should have, yeah. you know, I should have pulled the trigger earlier, but we're going to have a zero tolerance policy now. Totally. Um, and so, so everybody, we're going to tune this up now. And, and that is you taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. That's you. Instead of throwing it all on the kids and being like, why can't you guys ever... I want to say another way to take responsibility when they're littler. Sometimes you need to take... Like, if they're all... If you're in the life of babies and toddlers, not Mm -hmm. like preteens and people you can Mm -hmm. really reason with, a lot of the time that frustration is you taking responsibility is you recognizing that you're expecting something unreasonable. Like, Like, if you thought you could make dinner while the babies and the toddlers sat quietly mm-hmm. and looked at you. Right. Then you need to take responsibility by recognizing that actually you should give them something to do. Like actually yeah. you need to do this differently. You need yeah. to steer the situation differently but or let them help or it's you know, kind whatever. of like we I think I like to hope we understand that if you are at home, let's say that you are a single woman living by yourself in an apartment the state of that apartment is your responsibility. If somebody comes in and it's a mess, mm-hmm. there's nobody to blame but you, right? It's like right. you live here alone, so it is your responsibility. And in that case, it's also you're also guilty, right? Because you're the one that left the, you know, food leftovers uh-huh. to mold on the counter. Like that would be you did it and you're responsible for it. Right. But if you have a family, but you're the one at the helm, you're still responsible for it, even though you didn't make every single mess yourself. Yeah. It's like, oh, but this is, this is my domain. This is what I need to take care of. So if everything's out of control, I'm the one that needs to come in and fix it because I am the one who's responsible for this. And it's similar with the spiritual state of your children. You didn't have to have made every single spiritual mess, but it is still your domain that you need to help get it cleaned up. Yeah. And that's what the difference is between guilt and responsibility. Guilt is Mm -hmm. when you yourself spilled the milk. Responsibility is when the milk puddle is on the floor and you're the person who is the one who can handle getting it cleaned up. And one of the things that dad has always taught that's just really true is that authority flows to those who take responsibility. Like teaching your children to take responsibility is teaching them to be leaders. It is teaching them to be like, all right, you know, this is the way it will be. And you doing that is the best way to teach them that. And the, and I can say over and over in my life, I have seen how much fruit it bears in my own children. When I take responsibility, they take responsibility. You know, like Mm -hmm. when we, it, it produces the same fruit. But what I was going to say, somebody, I did see somebody commenting like, this is ridiculous by this logic if my husband has a bad attitude, I need to take responsibility for it. And I was like, well, no, because, but if you, but if you do, he attitude, should. He should. Yeah, I'm like, and, and that's the thing that, you know, just, I just know that'll go over big. That's the kind yeah. of message you can just pop up on the Instagram and people will just be like, thank you so much for saying this. <laughs> Everyone will be like, wow. Lock her up Great now. insight. I mean, sometimes you just know full well you're saying a thing that you'll be, You'll be looking at a weird still shot of your face and memes people are making with that particular thing. But the reality is that not only is that the case, but my husband totally 
uh, wood. Weird. What's happening what to you? What is happening? Okay. Um, so, if I was having a bad go of a toot, right. Luke would take responsibility for yeah. that. And would be like, hey... Because you are under time, his domain. Time for this yeah. to be over. Like, yeah, let's or, wrap this thing up. What's going on? How are we going to get... Like, he? it's not that he would come in and be all bossy about it. But the other thing is, he wouldn't... He would he not facilitate the that. The thing is, if you have a wife who's in a deep issue, that is the husband's problem. Yeah. It is. He and might, all you have to do is notice... How it can ruin his life. But that's the thing. Is it's like, it is a problem in his house, and he's the head of the house, mm-hmm. and so a problem he, for he his children might not be at all personally at fault for her tood, right? But it's still his problem because it's happening on his watch in his house under his authority. Right. And even though I think that, for instance, women should pay attention to like what sources they're trusting, what things they're reading, what is teaching them. Uh They should pay attention to that and they should have their guard up and they should be careful. But I, and I think, so I think personally you're responsible for that. But the reality is that I think your husband is responsible for that Uh also. And that's because of authority and submission, right? Like it's because we actually believe there is an authority structure in the home. Right. It's not just a cute thing we say at weddings. No. And it's, and it's, well, yeah, and for a lot of people, it's the thing they don't say <laughs> don't at say weddings. weddings. Yeah. Yes. So the authority structure goes the children to the mother when the father is not there. But this is a thing that I would actually put in there is that I don't think the mother is, I don't have, I think it's important for women to recognize that if your husband is there, you are not the direct authority over your children. Like in an instance, like when he has delegated that to you and he's gone and you're manning the ship at home is not the same thing as you being in charge of everything when he's there. Although just to be clear, that doesn't mean you're not allowed to give the children any uh, instructions. If dad's in the house, like, no, I don't mean that. I was thinking, I was talking in terms of things like if your husband is at home and he's like, let's go get ice cream cones. You are not the one to be like, no, you may not get them ice cream cones. That's what I meant. I meant, I meant your authority is not, uh, over your husband to the kids. Your husband is over you. Some women do have this weirdo idea that the kids are their job, their job. And Mm -hmm. if the husband has input, then that's him meddling outside of his sphere. Yeah. And that's really weird. Yeah. That is weird because it is a sphere thing where. It goes the children, then the mother, then the father, then we have the church. But I do think, though, that, like, as far as taking responsibility goes, I do think what phase of parenting you're in does, like anything else, it changes what that looks like. Yeah, totally. When the kids are little, it's far more direct, and it's far more correctable, and it's far more, like, everything's so much more kind of, like, I don't know, manageable in one way. And I think the whole point is to get it so that as they become adults, you are, you're kind of like the parent running along behind them as they wobble on their bike. Mm -hmm. Because the thing is, is there comes this moment where the way you take responsibility is by letting them do it. Yeah. And so it's not to say that taking responsibility means being a domineering 
parent all the way until they're oh, 45. Oh, my heavens, no. You know what I mean? Like, But I actually think <clears> that's <throat> what I was trying to say when I said you're raising leaders. When you yeah. take responsibility, they learn to take responsibility. And what I actually think that that produces is children who take responsibility for their own behavior yeah. much right. earlier. And I think that, I mean, even just look at Job. I mean, he was sacrificing himself for his grown children who all were living on their own and Job was still taking responsibility before God for it. In case they have sinned. I mean, he was still very clearly feeling responsible. But but he was the one talking to God like about my family. And that is the sort of um, I don't know, that sort of it's, it's a more covenantal, I think, approach, yes, maybe. Yes, it is. But it is, um, it is funny to me what a knee-jerk reaction there is from Americans so, who just want to say that, like, how dare you act uh, as if my child what? in any way reflects At on any anything nothing. that I might have ever nothing done. About because my mine. child has free will. Somebody, so oh, I couldn't possibly. I, I feel like I just get into, I feel like, what happened here? But I don't you do, know. You just feel like the, the proverb about... Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So everyone would like to come in right now and say, "But that's not a promise." And I'm saying, "But the thing is, it's normative. It's saying, it's not saying in every circumstance. Yeah, this is exactly how it goes. There are odd circumstances, but you do have to say that when you drop a basketball off a roof, it falls to the ground." And it yeah. is true that there's occasionally a bush that it sticks in maybe, but, but you can, you can still say, you know what, if you train up your child in the way he should go, when he is old, he will not depart from it. And that is special crazy circumstances aside, you know, like, yeah, that's, it's, it's not a, and all of the people saying this single. doesn't mean anything. Okay. And I'm just going to say another pet peeve of mine, little thing that has come up because people say, well, that's because you're, you know, you crazy paid Baptists, you know, that you mm-hmm. think this kind of thing. Um, and one thing that I have heard is I cannot require my toddler to obey me because you can only obey by the power of the Holy Spirit and they are not saved. Oh my God. And this is where I feel like, let's just forget about whether or not your child is saved. Are you? Because if you have the Holy Spirit, then you need to be obeying. And you obeying means you training up your child to honor you and obey you. Yeah. And and the idea of being like, but I can't because God hasn't fixed them yet. <laughs> is like, it's, I know that people, I know that this is another field where everyone could get really uptight about loose language. So I'm trying, I don't want to overspeak this way. Okay. But... When God set us up in relationships, it's because he accomplishes things through those relationships and through people obeying. And so when you're saying, I can't require obedience, like one thing, well, and this is because we're paid Baptists. So like in John, is it 14 or 15? It's the, it's the same. We were just talking about last time, the vine dresser, but the whole thing about the branches in me that are not bearing fruit will be cut out. Right. Right. And for us, we believe that apostasy is an actual possibility, right? Mm -hmm. That, that it's possible to have been actually connected to Christ in some way, not, not 
not saved because we don't believe you can lose your salvation, but to be connected to the grace of Christ and his community without being personally saved. And that's what we believe the branch that's getting cut out and thrown in the fire is right. Right. But, but the reality is that children growing up in a Christian home should be tasting the grace of Christ in the home. They should be tasting something that, that I think many kids who grow up in a Christian home grow up tasting and believing and knowing from the, from the time that they're very young and they can't remember. But there are other kids who taste and are on the fence somehow and later come to Christ. But having known, having had all this testimony of living in a place that's full of the joy of the Lord because other people are honoring God. Right. And I, anyways, my point is, totally aside from the fact of whether or not your three-year-old is regenerate, you have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit and, and the word requires you to require certain things of your children. Yeah. And I do think that the taking responsibility is if you have a problem that you are confronting with your kids and, and whatever age they are and it seems like a snarl that you don't know how to unwind that assuming responsibility and asking God to give you the wisdom from that perspective mm-hmm. might be the, um, the, the angle change that you needed in order to see things differently. Totally. And so, uh, you know, like you might think it's crazy, but honestly, just when you talk about an angle, try change, it. <laughs> this is yeah, exactly. The, when you t- mention an angle change, that reminds me of another angle change that is surprisingly revealing a lot of the time, which is when, if you're in an intermural tangle with other people and you want to pray about it all the time, the way you want to pray about it is like, Lord, show them how stupid they're being or show them how bad this is or show them what they're doing wrong to me or show, you know, like anytime that that's, or like the reason I just thought of that is because what you're saying, there's some problem you don't know how to address with your kid, Mm -hmm. but you're praying a lot about Lord, you know, change their heart, like Lord fix their tediousness, like Lord get on, like make my child not be a bully right yeah. now, that kind of thing. Sometimes the, the prayer, the shift of instead of praying that they'll notice how they're wronging you, praying that God will bless them, that God will pour, you know, like pour out his grace on these people, whatever that shift from praying for the result, like the direct result of like what you want to mm-hmm. see that is those those make very big differences in yeah. your own, like that That's true. prayer shift. And so what you're saying, take responsibility, praying like, Lord, we have this problem with this, you know, teenager saying, show us how we can lead that. Like, show us what mm-hmm. we can do. Like, show us how we can, you know, yeah. demonstrate this to them or show them and making the focus be Lord work on me Yeah, is it really is a, yeah, it changes it. It changes everything because you're thinking, Lord, before you might be thinking, Lord, give me the word that will burn their conscience. Like, right. you know, make me the one that pokes sure. them in the eyeball. But yeah. really what you need to be is, Lord, change me in this and change them. Yeah. Or just to like, Lord, this is a big mess. And I understand that I'm the one that has been at the helm as it became this big mess. Right. 
help me to figure out what I need to repent of. Yeah, show me what to do and give and me... Then, and, yeah, and, and then help me clean this up because this is... And give me the courage to see it. Yeah. Like, to be able... To be willing to look at it. Yeah. Are we going, We're like, going, over time? Yeah, we need to go. I mean, I was hoping we had time to, like, round it back around to some tin can crafts, but... Well, you're right. Maybe some more thinking about mm-hmm. my dirty rags in my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, anyway, I think it's... I our hot... Oh, go ahead. What were we going to say? I was going to say our hot tip is to find yourself a restaurant supplier. That is our, it's our devil hot tip. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it is. So, guys, well, until next time, I'm take sorry, responsibility. I think we probably made everybody mad that time, so. I don't think so. Uh, I think we did. They'll turn it off in the first few minutes because yeah, of how boring right. we yeah, were being. And right. then they didn't stick fine. it out. They don't know the what end. we said. No. All right, until next All time. All right. Bye. Bye.